Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, world. Welcome to Fright Talk, February 12, 2021. Live podcast right here on Everyday Folks. We hope you're doing well and that you are safe and that you are ready for some frightfully fun discussions. If at any time you want to talk to me and my dear co-host here, which is... Nadine Taps. We're back, folks. The Fright Talk guys are back. And we are excited for our show. And we are excited that you'll talk to us. And you can do that by calling 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347-539-5372. But we know that many of you prefer to inbox us in a myriad of ways, so we're going to give you those options. One is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Another is frighttalkguys at gmail.com. And another, wait, there's more, in tabs, N-T-A-B-S-H, on Instagram. We are standing by, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Nadim, how are you doing today? This is our first show of February. How are you? I am doing good, my friend. I'm doing good. I'm excited for the show. Um, It's a three-day weekend. I'm excited about that as well (laughs) for most people. Um, I'm looking forward to this show. You know, whenever we do a show um, focusing on serial killers, we always get such a huge response from our listeners about so many questions, so many comments. So I'm, I'm pretty sure today's going to be filled with um, quite a bit of that. And I'm very much looking forward to it. And folks, if you haven't checked out our schedule for the month, we do our best to keep it updated. So you can go to everydayfolksradio.com and look at our podcast listing of upcoming tentative topics for the year. Tonight, we're super excited that we're going to be discussing Charles Manson. And so we'd love to hear your comments, your ideas, and of course, we'll take your questions via the options that we, pre- we presented earlier. So Nadim, interesting enough about Charles Manson, one of the most iconic figures, and I have to tell you this, I have a student, two years ago, and I won't say his name, he's an amazing scholar and an amazing um, jazz musician, but he looks like a young version of Charles Manson, his hair, because of the features. <laughs> You know, he right. has such an iconic look, and it's, it's interesting because, I, I, you know, when I was, you know, doing my homework on, on, on him and just getting, you know, refreshing on some of the facts, and as well as watching a recent, um, some documentaries, there were a couple that I was able to catch via um, Netflix and YouTube, it was quite fascinating to learn some things or confirm some things that I thought I knew, that I knew about him that weren't really true. And as you were going through that, your own journey of, of, of learning and, and having fun with this, did you come across that same feeling? So I, that same I feeling? did. I did because, you know, we, we think of serial killers, right? And we, we say mm-hmm. to ourselves, okay, serial killers. And obviously, when we think of serial killers, Charles Manson comes to the list. So we yeah. start uh, thinking about, okay, this was a mass murder. But Charles Manson, his story is a little different than that because he himself – is not a mass murder. He, um, you know, we're, we're going to talk today in the show, obviously, about the that danger of the cult mentality, because this is a huge part of the Manson story. And so um, in my research coming across, I say to myself, obviously, this is a person who had a lot of issues, uh, be it mental and, and family history and things like that. But then I also say to myself, 
when people think of his name and it incites fear, do they consider themselves, do they consider him uh, or themselves fearful of, of the legend of Charles Manson because they believe that he was this mass murderer or because there was something more, um, more sinister at work? Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the word cult. And I just did a quick little Google to get the denotation that people commonly use or say about it. And the denotations read, a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. A relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. And lastly, a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. And interesting enough, each of those denotations all do point back to um, Charles Manson. And here's something that I've heard recently. I guess I, I, I got to share this first. He passed away in 2017. Yes. And, or he died, whatever yeah. the option was, right? Yeah. And the funny thing about it is that after he passed, he had a son, you know, come forward who wanted to claim, you know, his estate. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, these two other individuals came forward and decided, like, one of them was a pen pal. And some other person was something else, and they laid claim that they were also affiliated via family. So then there was this, all this battle. So what I'm saying here is that um, I'm not sure where it is today, but I, my, my understanding is that there's still this continuous battle for his estate. And I guess the first question I had is, well, what estate is there? And so it's quite interesting that people are fighting, that, you know, pop culture is very excited about Charles Manson. And, and, and folks don't realize this, but a lot of the things that he did, he was one of those interesting, intriguing individuals. Um, like Nadim said, he, he really never murdered anybody, but he had the influence. And I think that's the, the challenge here. You know, and it, it's funny enough, imagine if he had done or taken his skills and used them totally for good for our society. That would have been amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But in right. truth, he, he did some really interesting things. And there are some interesting facts about him that we'll share during the show that I think you all will probably find fascinating too, because I surely learned a lot. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned people trying to capitalize on his name in 2013. There's this woman who came forward that said that she had a, you know, relationship obviously after, you know, Manson's in jail at this time. And in 2013 that she had some sort of relationship and they were getting married or something to that effect. Then afterwards it was uncovered that she only married him or wanted to marry him so that she can make, um, money or state some claim off of like showcasing his body or something like that after death. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that are out there for these get rich quick schemes. And if you are, let's call it so like, I don't know, bankrupt inside that you just want to affiliate yourself with somebody who's notorious for the wrong things to make a quick buck, then you probably have more problems than the person you're trying to take their name from. Oh, agreed. I remember when, we were, when I was in college and when I lived on campus and for our freshman orientation, they had all these, there were two main themes of those orientations when it came to pop culture. One was date rape and the other mm-hmm. was being aware of cults. And there was this whole video on how they work. And I thought it was all a joke until one day while on the campus, this is at FIU folks, Florida International University here in Miami. Uh, while on campus one day in the spill-out area, the, the, you know, the Graham Center, you know, where all the action is, where all the student mm-hmm. life and everybody hangs out. This guy comes up to me. I'm just sitting out there. He says, hey, you look very sad. And this guy, looked. he was a stately gentleman. He was, he was African-American as well. And he says, hey, I, and I said, I'm not sad. I'm just waiting for my friends so I can go eat some food. What's up? What do you want? And then he says, well, and, I, and we weren't for my fraternity. We weren't recruiting that day. It wasn't a Thursday. It was a typical Tuesday. And so and he started talking to me. If you're sad and feeling downtrodden, he gave me a flyer to this church that I should mm. go visit. And he started, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, I want to pray with you and Allison. You better get away from me. You know, so clearly the indicators of what I saw in that video during the orientation were now playing out in real life for me. And I share that because in order for folks to understand Charles Manson, you got to understand it took his leadership and his incredible influence to influence others to do the deeds that he later was blamed for. And that's what's so unique and why people say, well, he's a serial killer. I said, actually, is he the killer or is he the instrument or the vessel that helped commit the crime? So it's, 
he's still an assailant, right? Or at least an, a, right. an accessory or an accomplice to the crime. But if you gave the people the means, and that includes the influence, then that can be called to justice if the action is carried out. And so uh, I, I'm just fascinated by that. I did not realize that in my head. I always thought this, thought, thought this man killed somebody. Hmm. Well, you know, so for the folks that don't know out there and you're listening, let's do a, a quick little history lesson. So Charles Manson himself, his home life growing up is not that great. His mother was an alcoholic and a prostitute at a very early age. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, he goes in and out of reform schools for boys, and he gets married a few times himself. But when you fast forward to the Charles Manson that we know today, Charles Manson uh, was somebody who essentially began a cult. He saw himself as a Jesus. He would tell people that a race war was coming in which African-Americans would win, he would say. Uh, or he would claim, anyways. And then this cult was actually called the Manson family. That was the name, right? Because they were, it's not his actual family. It was the cult was called the Manson family. And so he would put up these people to do certain things, and they were doing it in his name. Um, the murder of Sharon Tate was very famous, and a vicious, gruesome murder was by people that he considered to be his followers and his disciples or whatever you want to call them. And he wasn't very happy of how that went down because he thought that the murder itself was sloppy. But a lot of times, uh, you know, when these people get arrested, the Manson family and, and Charles Manson himself eventually get arrested, not for murder. They get arrested because they had the, the uh, police thought that they were vandalizing some sort of park or something of that effect. It is later that they find out that they have these tie-ins. And a lot of these people in the Manson family cult, a lot of impressionable young women and young men at the time, uh, 70s, um, well, 60s and 70s, you know, they said, well, we, we had planned to murder these famous people, Frank Sinatra and Steve McQueen and Elizabeth yep. Taylor. And when he said why, he said, well, because we wanted attention to be notorious. So it's incredible what people will do for attention. So essentially, folks, when we're talking about Charles Manson, we're talking about a person who Mm -hmm. had a cult, considered himself a godlike figure, and he got these impressionable people to follow him. Now, we cannot really talk about this without talking about that there was heavy use of LSD and mushrooms during this time with, with him and with his cult. So th- this is where the story spawns off from, and these people essentially are doing these murders in his name for his bidding, in in his direction, for his direction. Mm. You know, this cult had some interesting membership um, rituals or customs. So it is alleged that in order to be a member of the cult, and many of the cult members, by the way, there were men, but as, as Nadine mentioned, but there was a, a higher concentration of women in these cults. Yeah. And one of the things that he would make some of these women do, like, well, obviously, like Nadine said, he was, you know, this messiah of some sort. He would make them, um, you know, as a membership, some of them would have to sleep with him or sleep with each other. There were all these, you know, sexual proclivities that were expected in addition to the murders, in addition to the honoring of the family, right, the Manson family. And the interesting thing about the Tate family situation, the Tate, it was really a, 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 a mere being in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing because she and her husband who was an exec, a film producer or music exec of some sort they were actually renting the house of the guy who alleged who was supposedly supposed to be murdered he was on vacation and so Tate and her husband were actually staying at the house and they were in the wrong place at the wrong time and they got you know it was a gruesome murder and it's so sad because um even another weird thing I heard, um, and I saw this in the, in, the, in the documentary. So he befriended one of the Beach Boys. That's correct. And that's weird, Nadine. It, it is. <laughs> it, it, he befriended him and then got angry at the Beach Boys because they changed the words to one of the songs, and then he threatened to kill his friend. And then a the friend went in hiding, okay? So I'm always wondering, I'm thinking, if you know that this guy is out there and they have, I mean, because they're, they're, the streets talk, right? We didn't have the technology that we have today, but the streets, still word of mouth is powerful. And so the streets talked. They knew what was going on. Why would you associate yourself with somebody like him? It only speaks volumes of what goes back to the cult mentality, how these people prey on individuals who are 
um, insecure, weak, or needing or desiring a sense of belonging somewhere. Right. And, and you know, in reference to uh, the Beach Boys, uh, you're absolutely right. So yeah. Dennis Wilson, who's the, the one of the members of the Beach Boys, he not only had Charles Manson stay in his house, but he had Charles Manson and the Manson family cult members, a group of them, stay in his house for some time. We're not talking about a day or two, folks. You know, so, you know, it it is very odd. It is very odd. Now, Billy, we do have a few questions here to get to. Um, Hold on one second, because I got, they're coming in different directions. You're getting them in, folks. Yes, you're listening in, folks. We appreciate your love. You know, keep those, you know, questions coming. The line is 347-539-5372, and keep them coming to our inboxes. Everyday folks listen at gmail.com, frighttalkguys at gmail.com, and in tabs on Instagram. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> All right, Billy, I have a question for you, and this is from Brett. He says, I always thought Charles Manson was an actor, and the story was made up. I had no idea he did all this stuff. Do you think the world is ready for another serial killer? I don't know. We've gotten that question before, but what do you Sounds think? Sounds like it. Um, I would say the world is never the, – the world is – I should say the, the, the world, and we'll make it a crop. The crop is ripe for harvest, Okay. We have so much going on, and humanity is at its most vulnerable at this time. Anything is possible at any given time because there are just so many places and spaces for people to be and live. And it doesn't have to happen here in America. It can happen in another nation. And so I would say that we are in a where I, I don't think I, – I still think the world is still filled with more good than bad. But if we didn't mm-hmm. have the bad, then I guess, you know, it kind of – it's like that yin and the yang factor. But I do acknowledge that I, I think the world, if we're not careful and if we don't really put the right circumstances and the right energy out in the world, we might just get what we really don't need. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I agree with that. And as far as like, is the world ready for another serial killer? Um, I don't know about ready. I've mentioned this in, in previous shows that, you know, things are not the way they were in the 60s and 70s. I think I talked about this with the Zodiac Killer show. Yes, you did. Um, a lot of people have phones. People are constantly on their phone recording and messaging and taking pictures. We live in a society that a lot of people have the right to bear arms and they are exercising that right. And so you may have gotten away with things in the 60s and 70s that you ain't going to get away with as easily in the current time that we live in just because you have more eyes on you. You have a higher amount of the population uh, armed uh, for self-defense and so I, you know, does the world ever want a serial killer? No, but you raise an excellent point, Billy. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the United States. I mean, you right. have a serial killer anywhere in the world. Oh yeah, I mean, London, yeah. Europe has had a share. <laughs> Europe has definitely yeah. had a share. And the 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 one other point before we move forward, I wanted to say was this: interesting enough, all the idea of being ready, we just never know what we're ready for. And because of technology, I will say this, Nadine, isn't it interesting that well, if it were to happen today, either it's going to happen in plain sight of something, because we have right. folks who steal packages from door doorsteps, and we can't catch them sometimes. Yeah, and so yeah, we're absolutely. able to catch that or catch some other phenomenon on camera that we think is a ghost. We're not – you see my point? So it could be in yeah. plain sheer view, and we still can't get it. And True. so it, I think it – I think, you know, yes, I, the world's never – I mean, the world's always ready for craziness, but – I think the world has already had some circumstances that kind of remind us that we are just as vulnerable as they were back in the 60s or 70s. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, and actually the people stealing packages, packages is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they try. Because we, we, do, we do have cameras and we're watching, okay? And, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, it's sad, and, and I think that's the point. The fact is we have folks who pray and watch. Think about this. They know when to get those packages. That means yes. they're vulnerable and prone to our habits. Right. And, and these people, it's easier for them to steal than to get off their rear ends and get themselves a real job. Yeah. Instead of taking from those people that actually have a job or well, people who are trying to earn. You yeah, know, so it's like, okay, you're putting all this energy to follow people or to see when they're not home so you can take their packages. Go get a job. Get yourself a job. Stop, stop trying to take other people's things. You know, and Billy, I also want to raise the point that when it comes to – so 
uh, when it comes to Charles Manson, he is tied to the Helter Skelter name. And the Helter yeah. Skelter name, for those of you that don't know, was a song from the Beatles' White Album, in which, you know, later Paul McCartney would, be, would say it has nothing to do with, with any of this, but Charles Manson kind of took that as a, as a, maybe a, an, a, an anthem to do wrong. Um, and also, Charles Manson was a known racist. This was not anything that was hidden. He had a swastika tattooed in his forehead. This is not a, you know, this is nothing uh, that has been hidden. He was a known racist, and part of that racism spawned the theories, the lunacy that he would throw out to his followers that would believe it. Uh, You know, so it's one of those things where I, I think people in general should work more in just being leaders as opposed to followers. But during that time, and during this time, you have impressionable minds. You know, you're in the San Francisco area, very hippie, peace, love, uh, culture movement, and a lot of people just fell into a trap. Mm-hmm. And as a false sense, I think what you just said is very true. You know, in that time and culture, there was also, because it was, you know, the, 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 because of geographic location, there was a false sense of security that things couldn't happen here. Oh, no, not okay. here. This is a happy place. Okay. This is a thriving place. The, the, Amer- the nation had already experienced a post-civil rights. It was now yep. the 70s. You have, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Carter was in ruling mm-hmm. by the, you know, at some point in the 70s, we're getting this now, this, this more postmodern renaissance of the arts as it relates to others uh, underrepresented communities like Latinos and blacks in the modern view, right? Getting better chances and options for television shows that really focus on those communities without those people being subjugated. So America's really becoming very progressive in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so in that regard, along, you know, there's still people who were living around that time who, and, and including Manson, of course, who were not happy with those changes. And so if you're not happy with the changes, what do you do? You either conform or you make a new way. And that's what he did with his Manson family. Billy, I have a question for you. And this is not a question that's coming. This is a question from me that I just want to ask. You know, Charles Manson was originally given the death penalty. They rescinded that and they gave him life in prison. He stayed about 40 years in prison. When somebody commits these crimes, albeit in his case, he asked people to do this, his bidding for him. But when people commit these crimes where lives are at stake, do you think, do you feel that if they were given the death penalty, it's the easy way out? Or do you feel that an eye for an eye should still kind of take place? I mean, do you Mm -hmm. feel it's more fair that the person stayed in prison or do you believe that the person should have received the death penalty? We can mention Charles Manson specifically because that's who we're talking about. Mm. His case is so unique. Um, I feel that giving them the ability to live, honestly, and let's say he was the one that was pulling, you know, the knife, the triggers, whatever, right? Physically doing it. Automatically, I personally feel that giving them prison, which is supposed to help reform those Mm -hmm. for lesser crimes, but of course, including those who do more extreme ones, it's supposed Mm -hmm. to provide a reformation effort. How can you reform somebody who calculated and deliberately did the same activity over and over again. Some call that yeah. you know, being a psychotic, but I know you had full faculties of your mind to do this and control this, which means you're operating in a whole other existence. To give them the gift of life to continue among us, to me, is not a good thing. And so I find that it's, it's sad because these other lives, like Sharon Tate and her husband, they'll never be again. And now they're forever memorialized. They were being happy in their moment. And never would have imagined that their last night on earth would have been by the mere fact that they decided to stay at a friend's house. And so, and I think that should be justified. Yes, I believe in justice. I'm not saying I don't, but I think that people like Manson get off. And the and, and I say that through postmodern lenses of seeing the things I'm seeing lately, but it's it's just sad. And so I feel that if you have the ability to, and you, you didn't do it yourself, but you gave the people the means, the influence to do it, you're just as accountable. And punishment should be directed. I agree with you. And, you know, uh, folks, in the case of Sharon Tate, now obviously we usually say when we talk about the serial killer show in the beginning, but obviously the show is not intended, you know, for children. So 
you know, listening discretion is advised because of the topic and the subject matter that we're speaking of. In the case of Sharon Tate and her husband, Sharon Tate was eight months pregnant. Yes. And she was stabbed in the stomach. And the Manson family members uh, used her blood to write the word pig on the wall. Or on the door. I don't recall which one it was. But, I mean, you know, these people were not well. And so I agree with you on that. You know, these people took what could have been. They took the past. They took the present. And they took these people's future. Um, Yeah, Mm. I agree with you that, you know, uh, maybe staying in jail for 40 years to try to reform someone, um, which clearly did not work. Um, because that per- I, I don't think at any point Charles Manson had any type of, uh, in his life, any type of reversal of thought or any type of, uh, you know, admission of feeling sorry or anything like that for the victim's family. Um, at least nothing that I saw. I'm, I'm not sure about your research, but in mine, yeah. I didn't see any where he felt any type of remorse for these actions. So so I agree with you, but I just felt it was a good question to ask, given the, the great question. Very good. Very thought-provoking. I got one for you that this came in, Nadim. It's from Stinson. He says, it's crazy how the family and these strangers are fighting over Manson's estate. What does his estate consist of anyhow? So, <laughs> yeah, you have. I have a couple of thoughts mm. on that. You know, there's not much mentioned. His, you name. Know, I, his name. I think his that's name. it, right? His name. Yep, it would be his name. It would be his name because as much as, you know, there's most of society, we – don't like serial killers and we attribute we attribute Charles Manson with all the things that are wrong. We attribute him with racism because he was a racist. We attribute him with a cult because he had, he was a cult leader. We attribute him with a murder and hurting other people. These are all negative things. And so you know, as we're having this discussion, they're still with that, still with that. Some people will still want to read a book about Charles Manson. People are going to listen to this podcast because of Charles Manson's name. So there's money to be made off of Charles Manson's name. As far as what actual estate he had, physical things, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past anybody who had any items of his to sell them as owned by Charles Manson and make money off of it. Again, that goes back to his name. Other than that, Billy, I'm not sure what other estate there would be. I think the the value financially would be in the name. Folks, were, I, I did learn there, and I hear these cases all the time where you find these women who are there's a, and there's a term for it in psychology. Women who are very fascinated with people who are incarcerated, especially men, and they try to fall in love with them. It's you know this 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 a sense of identity and connection with this person that when they get out they're going to build a life together that she's going to be able to reform him. And so women were also gifting him things and paying his commissary and all this weird stuff. And so I'm always wondering, if he was able to influence folks to do the crazy things he did when he was free, what on earth was he capable of doing behind bars? And so, yeah. and that included this idea of this son that alleged there's this son out there uh, who wanted to claim, but, you know, when he died, uh, there were several folks who fought over his, uh, you know, his remains. So it was like four or five months before anything could be done for that. So people are excited, pop culture, A, they're enthusiasts who just like this stuff. I mean, some of you are listening, hello, and here we are, we're talking about it. But then you, okay, we're fine in that group. But then there's this other group that takes it to another territory, right, who just are committed. Or they feel that there is a sense of identity or connection with this. And to me, that's a bit strange. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, Billy, I have a question here for you from Kevin. What mm-hmm. makes people go over the edge and do the unthinkable? I think when folks... Different things, Kevin, I feel trauma will make people do things. Trauma is it's real, and it's beyond depression, okay, in this sense, because it will push you to do the unthinkable. Depression will, too. I say that's number two, though. You know, that trauma and, and depression are real. And then other, you know, not so peripheral issues, like, you know, that people could endure that on a day-to-day, like feeling blue, having anxiety, minor things. But to me, at the end of the day, I can have anxiety or feeling overwhelmed at a time, but it's not going to make me want to go kill somebody or a dog, right? And so mm-hmm. I think when people are pushed to that point of no return through trauma and their lived experiences and through depression, that is the onset or the after effects of it. 
I think it pushes folks to those points to do those things. And that it, because in all that, you, ha- I mean, the, the only one I think, Nadine, that's an exception to this is Ted Bundy. You know, hope, and one day we'll have a chat with him about him mm-hmm. at some point. But he did what he did, but went home to a wife and family, from my understanding. And right. so this is different. This guy wanted a sense of belonging. He came from a challenged childhood upbringing, right? So when we hear those stories, obviously there must have been trauma. And so what do you think, though? What are your well, thoughts on that? I think that – so I, I do agree with you. It's hard because the human mind functions a certain way, and then within it, it functions differently for everybody. Right. What makes somebody, let's say, go to the edge or snap for one thing may not make them snap for the other. It's like you said. We get angry. We get upset. But we have the reasoning and the logic to hold back. Um, and I guess in the case of Charles Manson, I would say that because he saw he could easily influence people maybe and because these people were doing bidding on his behalf, he may have found it empowering. You know, oh, I didn't have to hurt this person myself. I could have sent this person to do it. When this person did it, I felt empowered. That could have been the thought process he was going along <laughs> with. And when mm-hmm. these things were happening, it was like, okay, I have my followers doing what I'm saying. So I think that part of that, in Charles Manson's case, I think that he was um, – he embraced the the power, the empowerment he was given by having the followers do whatever he said. And as far as an individual, what makes them snap, that's hard to say because would to have somebody do the unthinkable, it just depends on the individual person. Not yeah. we, everybody that has a, you know, a functional brain, we all uh, think a certain way. But as individuals, we all have different points. So it's very mm-hmm. hard to say. I, I can't say definitively what is one thing that will make somebody do the unthinkable or not. Mm-hmm. I think in Manson's case, it was uh, more empowerment. Mm. And power, you know, power would do great things and, and, and terrible things, folks, especially for the quest for it. Here's a question, Nadine, coming in from Nancy. She says, he wasn't a bad looking man either, but crazy. But you have to be pretty sane to repeatedly do the same thing over and over, right? So, you know, it's funny that she says that, you know, he wasn't a bad looking man, because when you talk about people like, Ted Bundy, you know, a lot of pe- a lot of women at the time said that he's not a bad-looking guy either, you know, and that's probably why so many people found him to be charming or maybe endearing, and they were able to get away with the things that they got away with. Um, I I'm not sure, Billy, to be honest with you. Um, is there a charm that goes along with it, in your opinion? Absolutely. I don't know. What do you think? I do. In fact. Ted Bundy is a great case for that. I think there has to be something alluring. And I'm going to cite one of my favorite um, criminologists, um, mid, you know, 14th, 15th century, let's just say 15th, turn of the century, Cesar Lombroso, who did extensive research, qualitative and quantitative research on the criminal mind of both men and women, and he dedicated books to it. And in the male version of this book, he talks extensively about male criminals and the things that they do. And there is an alluring factor they have a way with words. They're charming. And to have full faculty, uh, control of the faculties of your mind to do those kind of things. And if you put them in the wrong hands, well, we know the outcome. And so, and I think some folks as well, you know, you see a lot of pretty people in the world, Nadine, who are insecure. And it's interesting yeah. because I, I see that. I've seen it with, you know, in, in, with, you know over my, in my career with students and conversations with family members who shared some intimate things. And I find it so interesting that we all have something that we you know, feel insecure about. I'm, I'm sure of that. What I'm saying here, though, is that I've never, <clears throat> I don't know if I would be the best candidate for being a serial killer because I feel there are so many other qualities that I would need in order to lure people to do those kinds of extreme acts, right? Right. And so, and I would also have to know where to find these. I mean, it doesn't take far to go find something crazy, right? But it really takes a lot to work at it because you have to build relationships with people to build trust for them to come in, to provide a sanctuary for them to feel like they're safe and that you're going to take care of them. That's a whole mm-hmm. lot of work and a lot of acting that I'm not interested in doing. And so, so Cesar Lombroso talks about a lot of the, the, in their inner workings and the inner minds of an individual. And, and, and it's quite fascinating what people would do when they're at their lowest. 
Yeah, I agree. And I know she mentioned about, you know, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you would have to be crazy, right? Um, yeah, because, I mean, we, we, you know, everybody always says, oh, what's the uh, the definition of uh, lunacy or, or crazy? Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So, <laughs> in their case, I don't think we're looking for a different result. I have a question here for you, Billy. This is from Justice, and I know you kind of mentioned this earlier. Have you guys watched any of the Manson documentaries or movies? Some are really good. Now, one was recommended to me, and they said it was loosely based, and I did not see it, and it didn't fully focus on the Manson family, but I think they said Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah. with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio mentioned something or has some part of their storyline has yeah. to do with Charles Manson, but I never saw the film, so I'm not sure. The one that I saw recently was a bootleg version on YouTube. So, folks, I couldn't even tell you the full title, but it had the word. It was called, it was a docuseries. Because it was like a docuseries of, like, strange phenomena. And he came up, and it was something, I forgot what it was called. But I saw it, like, two nights ago, and it was, like, at one in the morning, and I should have been asleep. And so, in this docuseries, it talked a lot about, it was very loosely connected to. Because, at the end of the day, this man is in jail. They interviewed some of the... Uh, the, the family descendants or extended folks mm-hmm. who knew some of the Manson family members. And it also brought in the tie, the biographical, not autobiographical, but the biographical tie to the other episodes that we talked about earlier. And it was just a good one hour conversation about some crazy stuff. And interesting in that, in each, when, I, when I turned off and I was done, it wasn't spooky. It wasn't creepy. I was just beyond fascinated and concerned, I should say, too. That someone with such incredible abilities spent a lot of time and, and was very convinced that what he was doing was for the justice society. To me, that is, it, that is insane. And so just powerful, powerful. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we talk about the Zodiac Killer and, you know, we're talking about Charles Manson, we're not talking about people that have low intellect. We're actually talking about quite the opposite. We're talking about people that have high intellect. Because mm-hmm. they know enough how to plan, how to seed ideas, and how to see those ideas manifest in other people. And that takes a certain level of intellect to do something. Yes, it's sinister. Definitely sinister. Yeah. But your mind has to function in, in a different way to be able to do that. And if you are a leader of a cult, you realize that you can do that quite easily. And the, the larger a cult gets, the easier it becomes to influence Mm-hmm. Well said. There's a question came in from Prince. He wants to know, Nadine, did Charles ever make money from his, his killings or murders or his life stores, lifestyle? You know, and I, 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 don't, I don't know the answer to that. Do you? Do, do you? I do not know the answer. You, I, I came across the same thing you did on the research as far as people sending him things. Yeah. Sending people did send him money. People did send him, you know. I would assume that he, if he gave interviews, he was paid for them. Um, but it's, even if he did, I know maybe for the estate purposes. But let's say for exa- a moment he was, where does that money go? In the yeah. commissary prison? Where else is he going to do with it? He didn't. He have that we know of. Um, I know afterwards somebody claimed to be somebody. I don't think he was sending anything he had to anybody else. So I don't, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not sure if he made any financial gains. He probably made some, obviously in prison, not enough mm. to enjoy. Yeah, I agree. I think there is these, you have a, a, there is a community of folks in the world, Prince, who, I mean, think about this. Let me take it from a, a, a very neutral space or, or perspective. When we are very, when we like what we like, we get it, right? So case in point, I love to go to Horror Night. That's my annual trip. I miss going. And I will commit my time and money to do that, right? Nadine likes to travel. He likes to take his road trip as well. That's something he enjoys. Mm-hmm. But, but those seem like normal things, right? Correct. But they are hobby-type activities or, you know, or um, extracurriculars that make life more meaningful. And so what happens here is that there's a community of folks who are also committed to buying things. The only difference is they're buying into time or affiliation with someone like him. 
And so we may not, we may question their choice of how they spend their money, but that's how they spend their money. Just like people launder, you know, money laundering and other things that happen in society, or they buy drugs, right, for addictions. People buy things and do things because it makes them feel good or gives them some sense of connection or what have you. And so I think that he pretty much did have, put it this way, Prince, why would it be three people fighting at one point over his estate? Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. (laughs) I'm going to remind everybody that if you'd like to call in at any time, you're more than welcome to. And the telephone number is 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. You could always email your questions or comments or requests to everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or frighttalkguys at gmail.com. And you could always send us a message, a DM um, on Instagram at Dr. Billy Jones, at NTABSH, that's N-T-A-B-S-C-H, or at Fright Talk, guys. Got to share this. is from Max. Max, Max, Max. Max, you listen to the show a lot. We would hope you one day call us. But here's the question and comment. <laughs> Great show, so in-depth. Uh, what do you propose will happen in the future or history about Manson? Should the world really know who he is? It might start something new in another era. That's a very good point, Max. I think the legend will go on as a legend. I think people will hear Charles Manson and associate with serial killers and never really research the case. I think the same thing will happen with Ted Bundy, uh, John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, so on and so forth. They will associate these people with serial killers. They know they did some horrible things. But the more far removed we are from the timeline of it, I think the less likely people are to remember the details of the story or even take the time to look at the details of the case. They'll assume that or associate this with a legendary killer or a legendary mass murder. Um, So I think in time, I'm not going to say that the history books will forget Charles Manson because I don't think that will happen. But I do think that he'll just be written off as another serial killer. What about you, Billy? What do you think? I mean, do you think he's... Is his legend of any way is etched into some form of memory of, of pop culture history? I mean, obviously in a negative way, but in general, do you think he will be idolized or remembered by people still in the future? They do it for Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, on the eve of, on, on, at his grave site, 250 plus years later, people will go and read poems of his work and his and excerpts of his work at his grave site. There's a following of it. You can go to put, you can go to eggrallandpole.com or website, and they keep up, keep this up. There's a society built around it. Here's another thing, you know, as Hollywood continues to evolve, we start seeing remakes of tropes and horror, right? And so, in time, I think someone's going to stumble years or centuries from now upon his case and want to bring it to film, but maybe give a remix on it, such as maybe he's. He's who he is, but he also, but it's a coven of witches, right? That might be pretty cool. Um, right. So bringing in these other aspects. And so I would say that if for money-making or, let me just say money-making, for creative interest, it may just become a remix or a mashup for something else that's a trope. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. I think that, uh, uh, but I'm also going to make the argument that, Edgar Allan Poe was so much more significant. <laughs> At least he wrote stuff. And he his, was, I mean, we should he was also a, uh, yeah, Edgar Allan Poe was also a heavy uh, drug user, by the way, guys. Uh, yep. He liked, he, he did like his opium. Uh, Billy, I have a question here from Don. It says, serial killers are unique. But what's also important to point out is that they could get away with things in a world that as not as tech advanced. Do you agree? So we kind of talked about this earlier. So they were getting away with things in a world where technology was not what it is today. And so the question is, is it more difficult? You raised an excellent point about those people stealing packages. Um, But I, I guess I would say that the, those people stealing packages or committing crimes and they know they're getting caught on tape, um, I think they don't care at that point. I feel the whole mystery about like the things that the Zodiac Killer got away with, I feel that that would not fly as easily today. The cults 
I don't know. Are cults on social media? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But I think in general, I think as a society, people are more aware. Would you agree with that? And I think technology I, 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 do, I do. I agree with you. And I would say social media could be viewed as a cult if you think about it, especially yeah. in the fact that if it's the embedding of its its abilities and its its influence is so deeply in, rooted in, in, in culture, right? I mean, how many of us are right now? I mean, part of our show depends on social media to tell you guys about it, right? So is that, I mean, does that mean, but, but, but we're not, we're de, we, let me also say, this is redefining what a cult could be because cults are not good things. And you heard the denotation read earlier, but it is a belief system and a belief system, people buy into those all the time. Right. Right. So I would say at some point there is this thought that, well, if, if, if folks are willing to give in and, and commit to it, they're going to they're gonna listen. People like what they like and they feel what they feel and they want to enjoy what they enjoy. And so I, I, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a good question that makes you think, honestly. Hey, Nadine, yeah. Nadia just asked a quick question. I'm not a fan of serial killer history, but this one is good. Why does pop culture continue to support such topics? That's uh, that's a very good question. I think that people are drawn to the macabre, and I think that when people are drawn to the macabre, they're sometimes, if you like things that are dark, sometimes if you're in that realm, right, you're just you have this curiosity that you always want to kind of be curious about more and more things of the macabre. Right, so if you get a, you know, you you hear a story about a haunted place, you're gonna check out the haunted place, right? But then mm-hmm. you hear a story of a serial killer, that's gonna intrigue you, but it's gonna intrigue you in a different way. I think that there's always going to be that interest there. Now, Billy, I'm gonna tell you this. I have friends that I've spoken to, and they are excited when we do the serial killer show. I have friends that they're like, I cannot wait to hear what you're gonna say to yeah. me about this. You know. And these are not people that are into things that are macabre or, or gothic. I think it's just, it piques interest. And I think anything that piques interest, you know, people are going to research. Anything, any topic in history that piques interest, people are going to still want to follow and, and get into that as well. And, and Nadia, I mean, what does that say about you and me and Nadim? We're all enthusiasts, realizing it or not. Yeah. So That's we're right. actually supporting pop culture by keeping these stories alive. But I'll tell you from my own personal objective why we do that. We do this because, number one, it's exciting. We love horror. We love all things horror and suspense, as we say in our name here. But we also are equally as fascinated with how could society or individuals in society, with so many things going on in whatever time going on in the world, how could they choose to create another reality for themselves that does such damage? It's quite fascinating. And so... And if we want to be able to stop these kind of individuals, well, criminologists and law enforcement needs to study them. They need to study these individuals so that way we're able to rid our streets and our communities of them. And so, you know, pop culture actually does help law enforcement, believe it or not, and a lot of these cases as well. Yep. Yep. Billy, I have a question for you. Which which, uh, killer do you find to be more sinister? The Zodiac or Charles Manson? Very different cases. We've covered both thus far. Is there mm-hmm. one that you consider to be darker than the other? I would immediately say Charles Manson because he wanted to be known. He was proud. I mean, he, he wanted notoriety out of the action, right? He desired as much as the folks who were around him desired to. And he was not afraid of that. And he was also quite saucy, if not sassy, in his interviews. He was willing to commit in the light of day. Well, I did it. You know, I I had some influence. And to me, that's off. I mean, the fact that you want something out of this, that you that you want to have the rest of your life tainted and branded with these choices. Whoa, that's dark. Whereas the Zodiac Killer, it's a little bit odd because it's 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 you couldn't catch who was there because it's almost like catch me if you can, hide and go seek. But yet mm-hmm. I'm walking among you, and they're leaving these traces and these clues and just total mess-ups and a criminology not being able to do a lot of what it could in order to right. trace 
follow up. Yeah. And so just a messy, messy investigations that span a good time of a period. But I think with Charles Manson, no, it was obvious. And then he he was even dumber, in a sense, to engage more people. So it's like, Correct. oh, I'm not gonna do it. Nadine did it. You know? Right. So I'm gonna get this community of folks who now become these little ambassadors of the story, right? And go mm-hmm. out there and tell it and maybe make their own claims. And so it's it's just bizarre. I think his story is worse. Well, I don't think that Charles Manson is as clever as the Zodiac Killer was. Right, that I, I agree. I don't. I, I do think he was as clever as the Zodiac Killer. And you're right, because the Zodiac Killer is more like, I'm going to toy with you. And Charles Manson is just like, I'm Jesus, do what I say. Right. And people just started, you know, doing his bidding for him. In essence, he didn't have to do much of the work. So, yeah, I agree with you. Very good point. You got a question. Here's another one coming for you. Adam wants to know, you guys should do a YouTube channel on this stuff. Great job. Are there other folks you guys will be exploring in the future? Well, we have a whole list going there, Billy. Yes, in fact, Adam, we're going to go look at that list right now ourselves because we, you know, we put this up and I I can share, Adam. Yes, we we do have some folks who are coming. I mean, if you go to everydayfolksradio.com, you'll see our listing we have coming up for Women's History Month, we got Serial Killer Women. So you're going to get some more names there. We have Madame Del- Delphine Laurier. She's coming up as well. We got, let's see who else. I'm, I'm scrolling down. The Axe Man is coming June in June. Um, and so, and again, this is all tentative, folks, but we do have these individuals that are popping up. And we also have some TBAs in the latter part of the year. So uh, we do have more coming, even our variety show that may be coming. This is a nice time to plug that, too. You know, next right. the next show we're going to have, folks, which is two weeks from tonight, is going to be fe- February 26th. We're going to be ha- um, having what is called a pop culture horror topics show. So if you have some folks and individuals we can we can bring in. I personally, Nadine, would love to see us cover Edward Gain. Edward yeah. Gain is someone yeah. we need to bring in because he has so much influence in what we've seen in Hollywood by some of the most iconic characters of Hollywood horror. So he definitely yeah. is someone we should look at. And, of course, I think we talked about Ted Bundy, didn't we? Or we may have referenced him in a few shows. We didn't have a show on him, though. But never a focus, right? Okay. Right, right. He was never the main focus. But, Billy, do you think that in serial killers should be adapted adapted to to become um, figures in horror movies? So bear with me for a moment. You got Charles Manson. We know that he was a, a terrible human being, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a way that you think Hollywood should take the Charles Manson, the, the individual, let's put the, the, you know, the, the rest of it aside, the individual and convert him into some sort of horror creature, like the likes of Freddy Krueger, the likes of a Jason Voorhees. Do you think that would be of interest to people to, to change Charles Manson and make him into a, to change his legend into becoming some sort of monstrous, monstrous figure like creature type thing? I would say it could happen, but there, there are a few things that we need to stay consistent. And that is the traits and qualities of the character would still need to stick to the storyline for folks to be able to be, the director would need to be strategic to be able to make pop culture go back and do the digging, kind of like a TikTok. People hear certain songs and they see those attributes in the TikTok videos of a song they never heard from a generation before and they go and follow it up. There would need to be these these Easter eggs, as they call them, or these little baits that they plant to encourage that kind of digging, uh, pop culture diving. And then the other thing, too, is that I think the, of all the characters or, or things that could be out there, to make it an extreme monster won't work, but to give it some um, uh, apothecary abilities, um, necromancy, like in you know, a witchcraft or sorcery in that regard, or, you know, shape-changing for you know, you know, in that regard, those seem to associate better because at the end of the day, those people, those in, those beings still have to masquerade as humans. There's still a human quality to them. I mean, now if we took it to a vampire, that's different, right? That could also perhaps work. And so, I, it's 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 unique that if they do do it, if they're going to do the mashup, they still got to keep some origin to who he is because the story itself has to be intertwined within the context of the plot. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I don't. I haven't seen it done before, so. Got a question for you, Denver. It's the year 2040, Nadine, and a new serial killer has been unearthed. 
what do you guys do? It's 2040 now, so let me do my math first in my head. Go ahead, Adine. <laughs> <laughs> we trying to calculate how old we're going to be in 2040. What do you do? I think that I hope that people, as time passes, become even more vigilant of their surroundings. Um, you mentioned you had a very good point earlier, Billy, in that you said the serial killers, for the most part, they plot, they look. They're, you know, they're strategic in what they do. But I'm hoping that more people, you know, if, if are aware of the world around them. We know people, you and I, who walk mm-hmm. around life oblivious to the world around them. And you, you are in your phones, on your phones, and you're not looking to the world around you, in which case you're not paying attention to your surroundings. Um, yep. I would think that, I would hope that in the future people are more, even more aware of their surroundings than they are today. What would you do? Well, here's the question. What can you do as an individual? You protect yourself and you protect your family, and that's the best you can do. And I'm going to say this. If you have a home and you are able to, one of the best security systems you can get is a dog. A dog will hear things way before you will hear it. So if you want it, and they are a loyal, loving member of the family. So, um, you know, if you want to protect yourself in the future, what do you do in 2040? I, t- I think you take any security measure you can. And it also depends, right? Because if you're living in South Florida and the serial killer is in California, how much are you actually going to worry? You'd be worried more about copycats than you would about the actual serial killer. Mm. I mean, I don't know, 2040, what measure would you take, Billy, if there's a serial killer out there? I would assume, let's say South Florida. What would you do? First, check my social security. Second, <laughs> my benefits. <laughs> Make sure I hopefully I got somebody gonna help me. So brother and sister, you know, make sure you take care of us. I ain't got no kids, so we got we're gonna need you. Um, so and then above all, I would say we just have to be vigilant. I think we need to stay apprised of things. I think we can trace things better than we could before. I'm not saying we're the best, but we can trace things a lot better. And so hopefully we'll have a better handle. Who knows what's to unfold? That will help us uncover and 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 and, and determine what these people are, right? right. And the D. There is one comment coming in that this came in right now, and I'm going to read it verbatim. And it says, huge fan of Serial Killer Show. And it's from YSO Transcription Summer. Um, your, from- well, your second office to at gmail.com. I'm going to read this carefully. It says, just a shout out to you both on these great shows. Could you please send a happy belated birthday wish to Nadine from a friend who sadly forgot his birthday this week? <laughs> I am so proud of you guys. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Oh, that's great. That is it is great. It is by the name. I don't know who it is, so there's no name. No, I know who it is. <laughs> you know who it is, I think. I know who it is. Yes, no, but thank is. you. Yes, Happy birthday to that person. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. No, I mean, yes, it was my birthday, guys, this this past week. Those of you listening, I'm a year older. And thank you to everybody. No, I just want to say that and it doesn't matter when you remembered. Whoever you are out there. I know who the person is, but I'm saying it doesn't matter whenever you remember. As long as you remember, that's it. You know, if you told me, hey, I forgot, but happy birthday, thank you for the happy birthday. And most of all, just thank you for everybody that listens. Thank you for the love. Thank you to our friends. Thank you to my friends. Thank you to my friend that sent in the email today. I appreciate it, and I appreciate the birthday wish. Um, and uh, we, you know, we're happy doing these shows. We know that the serial killer shows are very, very popular, and so we we appreciate it. We really do. We appreciate the love, and we appreciate the love on social media. And um, you know, just keep it coming because we're going to keep it coming, and we enjoy doing these shows for you. And we hope that you're enjoying what you're hearing. And folks, we do encourage you if you haven't done already, subscribe to all of our media feeds that. So that way you can stay apprised of all of our updates. We're super excited. Can't wait to see you again on February 26th. And please go and check our archive available on Apple uh, Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, and as well as on Google Play. Soon to be on Spotify, by the way. I forgot to tell that to Nadine. And so at this point. Well, thank you. That's great. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, we got some more things coming up. So well, Spotify. We're, we're legit now. We're on Spotify. We've we, we grown up, Daddy. We've grown up, man. <laughs> But thank you all for listening. So do tune in at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on February 26th for our next show, which is going to be a variety show that talks about pop culture horror.
Until then, take care, everyone, and good night. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.